welcome to the 49th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer. Heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week we're reviewing the Blade franchise. It consists of three movies and a TV series. Blade is owned by Marvel Studios and is based on a comic book character created in 1973 by Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. All three films were written by David S. Goyer, who was also the producer on the TV series and wrote the first, second, and last episodes of the TV series. Wesley Snipes stars in all three movies as Blade and also serves as producer. And the movies were produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by New Line Cinema. The first Blade movie came out in 1998, directed by Stephen Norrington, produced by Peter Frankfurt, and as I already said, Wesley Snipes, Robert Engelman, Andrew J. Holm, and Avi Arad, also starring Stephen Dorfer as Deacon Frost, Chris Christopherson as Abraham Whistler, uh, I may get this name wrong. Inbouchet Wright as Karen Jensen, Udo Kier as Dragonetti, and Donald Loge as Quinn. Music is by Mark Isham. Then Blade Two came out in 2002, so four years later, directed by Guillermo del Toro, produced by Peter Frankfurt, again by Wesley Snipes, Patrick Palmer. Music by Marco Bellatrami. And you may remember we talked about him when we did the Scream franchise, and he's also done tons of work in the horror genre. Chris Christopherson returns as Whistler, and Ron Perlman is Dieter Reinhold. Norman Redis, and you may know him from The Walking Dead, is Scud. Leonore Varali is Nissa Luke. Goss as Nomak, and Thomas Kretschmann as Damaskinus, and Dam- Damaskinus, and sorry, I'm sure I got those names wrong, but that's close. Uh, Blade Three Trinity came out in 2004, so that's two years later. Again, we said David S. Goyer was the writer, but this time he directed the movie, and this was his directorial debut. Uh, It was also produced by him, again by Peter Frankfurt, again by Wesley Snipes, and this time Lynn Harris joined as producer. Music by Raymond Jawadi, and Dominic Purcell is Dracula in this. Jessica Biel is Abigail Whistler, Ryan Reynolds is Hannibal King, and Parker Posey as Danica Talos. And lastly, the TV series, named Blade the Series from 2006, so two years later, produced by Jai Rosenthal, John Cross, again by Ari Arad, David Simpkins, Gordon Mark, uh, starring Sticky Fingers, uh, whose real name is Kirk Jones as Blade, Jill Wagner as Krista Starr, Neil Jackson as Marcus Van Shiver, Jessica Goer as Chase, and Nelson Lee as Shen. The show originally aired on Spike TV, and there are 13 episodes total. Where to find these movies? Um, All the movies, Blade, Blade 2 and Blade 3, are on Amazon, YouTube, Google Play, 
Voodoo or iTunes for either $3 or $4 each. Blade the Series is on Tubi for free. So if you want to check that out. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores. The first Blade, critics gave a 54 and audiences gave a 78. So that's pretty high. Blade 2, critics gave a 57. Audiences gave a 68. Blade 3, Trinity. Critics gave a 26. Audiences gave a 59. And Blade the Series, critics gave a 50%, and it was not rated by audiences. For the plot, I'll read uh, the brief synopsis by IMDb and then just talk about the highlights of the plot in each one. So the first Blade movie, IMDb says, The half-vampire, half-mortal man becomes protector of the mortal race while slaying evil vampires. So, Blade is a Dompier, and that means he's half-human and half-vampire. His mother was bitten, bitten by a vampire while she was pregnant with him. And he is a daywalker and has all the advantages of being a vampire. Super strength, um, super speed, regeneration, etc. But none of the disadvantages of being a vampire, other than he still needs blood in order to function. So he's super cool in his sunglasses, his all-black uh, tactical clothes. He also wears a trench coat, and he has lots of pockets for various weapons. So he and sidekick Whistler travel from one town to another to wipe out what they refer to as suckheads, which is pretty funny. So in this universe, there are two types of vampires. There's the pureborns, and there are those who have been turned. And they use uh, human familiars to do their bidding, and they have a tattoo either on their wrist or their neck that indicates uh, whose familiar they are. So Blade saves a hematology doctor, Karen Jensen, and he takes her back to his hideout where she meets Whistler and learns a little bit about his backstory. So Whistler found Blade living in the streets as a teenager, sucking the blood of homeless people, and he... Um, was able to help him and he was able to inject him with a serum that keeps him from turning into a full vampire and so they've been working together ever since and Whistler also devises many of the weapons that Blade uses. So in this movie Stephen Dorff is Deacon Frost and he's a termed vampire who wants to be I think the head of the vampires and he tries to translate um, the vampire Bible, known here as the Book of Erebus, in order to bring down the vampire council who is led by Dragonetti, who we already said is Udo Kier. And Frost wants to raise the god Lamadra and trigger what's called the Blood Tide, which will turn everyone on Earth into a vampire. But have no fear, Blade is on the case, and he saves the day while pretty much everyone else um, that was the main character in the movie, except for Karen, dies. So my favorite part of this movie was the opening scene at the vampire rave when they were all dancing, and then the light uh, the um, the water sprinklers came on, and they were full of blood. That was a really cool effect. Blade Two IMDb says. Blade forms an uneasy alliance with the Vampire Council in order to combat the Reapers who are feeding on vampires. So, despite suddenly shooting him, despite supposedly shooting himself in the head in the last movie after being severely beaten, 
and bitten by the vampires, Whistler is back somehow. So I guess the vampires found him and turned him into one of them, and then they keep him in a tank and they torture him and drain his blood. So I liked uh, Whistler, so I'm glad he's back, even though that's kind of a weird plot point. Uh, Blade rescues him, and then he injects him with some sort of serum that um, means he's no longer a vampire and he drinks blood. So in this movie, a genetic mutation has created creatures called Reapers who feed both on humans and vampires. The vampires reluctantly acknowledge that they need to help a Blade, and he begins to work with a group called the Blood Pack, and they're none too friendly with him because they're actually vampire assassins who were trained to kill him in the first place. And we meet Eli Damaskinis, who is the head of the vampires and the father of Nisa, one of the vampire assassins that uh, first goes to see Blade. And there are more surprises in store, because after a bunch of fight scenes and uh, some cool fight scenes in the sewer, um, it turns out that Eli is also the father of Jared Nomack, the first Reaper, and that he had been experimenting on uh, vampires in order to try to genetically improve them. So lots of family drama. Anyway, like the first movie, everybody basically dies except for Blade and Whistler. And my favorite part about this movie were the Reaper designs because they this was a very cool design in which their jaw um, extended out, somewhat similar to Predator's, and then a stinger comes out, and that's what actually sucks the blood of the person is the stinger. So that reminded me, uh, besides Predator, also reminded me of the design of the alien and aliens so that was a really cool effect um, I also liked some of the fight scenes in the sewers as I mentioned earlier those were fun uh, Blade 3 IMDB says Blade now a wanted man by the FBI must join forces with the Night Stalkers to face his most challenging enemy yet Dracula so Blade joined forces with some human vampire hunters that are known as the Night Stalkers, and they include Hannibal King, which is Ryan Reynolds, and Abigail Whistler, which is Jessica Bill, and she is Abraham Whistler's daughter, and the vamps are led by Parker Posey, and they go to a um, pyramid and revive Dracula, who they call Drake. He was the first vampire, so he's a shapeshifter, so he can take any shape that he wants, and he also has that open jaw and uh, sucker design that we first saw in the second movie. So it should come as no surprise that eventually there's a final showdown between Blade and Dracula, and Summersfield, who is a blind uh, scientist played by Natasha Leone, had made a virus called Daystar that would kill um, all of the vampires and might also wipe out Blade. In the end, somehow Blade manages to survive, as does Hannibal and Abigail, but Whistler dies for the second time in this series um, because he blows himself up in their hideout before the FBI can um, get a hold of them. My favorite part in this movie was the vampire blood bank, uh, where the humans were like vacuum-packed. That was fun. And then the vampire dogs... Um, that was a lot of fun, especially the vampire uh, Pomeranian. That was that was fun. 
Um, I like Dominic Purcell in Legends of Tomorrow, but I thought he was all wrong for the role of Dracula here. That just didn't work for me at all. And then also you can see Ryan Reynolds pre-Deadpool doing his shtick about, uh, you know, his funny one-liners here. So I think this was just a precursor to that. Uh, the fourth thing is Blade the TV series. As I said, 13 episodes long, and IMDb says, The Adventures of the Half-Human Vampire Hunter. This time the action moves to Detroit, where Blade is originally from. A woman named Krista Starr returns home from war to find her tw twin brother dead, and in an interesting twist of events, she is turned in the second episode of the series by the vamp who was keeping her brother as a familiar. So Krista is secretly teaming up with Blade to take down the House of Cathan, all the while pretending to be a loyal vampire. And Marcus von Shiver is the person that turned her, and he wants to be the head of the House of Cathan, um, but he's a turned vampire, and the only heads of the ha vampire houses, there's 12 houses total, um, are purebloods. So he has developed something called the Aurora virus that will wipe out all the purebloods. So sound familiar? That's a very similar plot point to the previous uh, film. So anyway, um, there's a, obviously given the amount of time and the number of episodes here, they're able to build out the story a little more. There's a drug being sold on the streets. It's called Ash, and it's made out of vampire ashes. And if humans take it, they get all of the powers of vampires for a couple of hours. But the problem is, is they also develop a thirst for blood, and many end up gnawing their fingers off. There's also some supporting characters here. There's Chase, so she's a vampire, and she loves being a vampire. And there's Shin, who works with Blade. Uh, he's his IT and weapons expert. So we'll talk a little bit more about them later, but that's the basic setup of the TV show. So before we do trivia, I wanted to pause for a moment and play the theme by Marco Beltrami and Danny Saber of um, this is the theme for Blade 2.
So on to general trivia, the total budget of the series is listed as $164 million and the total box office was $450 million, so that's quite a difference. And then in terms of the breakdown of the individual films, the budget of the first one was $45 million, it made $131 million, the second one was $54 million, it made $155 million, and the third one was $65 million, and it made $128 million. The anime studio Madhouse made a Blade miniseries that was part of the Marvel anime anthology. And the writer Goyer, as we already mentioned several times, wanted to tease uh, Morbius's appearance in Blade, but he couldn't because it was a Spider-Man character that at that time was owned by Sony. And Morbius will soon have his own movie, which is due uh, in the MCU, which is due out, I think, July 2020, next year. So that'll be interesting. Goyer had once considered doing a Blade sequel that would be a Mad Max-type movie with vampires versus Blade and humans. So I think that would be a really cool uh, show to watch. Marv Wolfman unsuccessfully sued Marvel, New Line, and Time Warner for $35 million after the first movie, claiming he was bound by the work... He was not bound by the work-for-hire contract when he created the character. And then he and artist Gene Colan, who I already mentioned as well, received a based-on-character credit, I think, in all three movies. Uh, definitely in the first and third movie. I don't remember if I saw it in the second movie or not. Trivia about the first Blade. Goyer says the original script... When Dr. Jensen is at Blade's hideout, there was supposed to be a live baby in a jar that he and Whistler were using as a guinea pig to test out weapons to fight the vampires. And the studio cut this for obvious reasons. They don't like people experimenting on babies. Um, Wesley Snipes was Goyer's first choice to play Blade, although Denzel Washington and LL Cool J were also considered. Chris Christopherson's character Whistler was created by Cameo on Spider-Man, the animated series. The CEO liked it so much that he added them, him to the Marvel Universe. Blade's car is a 1968 Dodge Charger. Jet Li was offered the part of Deacon Frost, but did Lethal Weapon 4 instead. The Vampire Bible here, as we said, is called the Book of Erebus. And Erebus is a god, is the god of the dark night in Greek mythology. Stan Lee originally had a cameo as a cop who came to the Blood Club from the first scene in the first movie, but that was cut. The action here takes place in New Orleans per a map that Blade is holding. When Blade was being planned, Wesley Snipes was in talks with Marvel to do Black Panther. Good thing he went with Blade because Black Panther, as we know, was a big hit, but it didn't come out until like 20 years later. Here's an interesting one. When filming the scene in the hospital, when a Burt Quinn attacks Karen, Donald Logue, sorry, I know I'm pronouncing his name wrong, fell and dislocated his jaw. They had to rush him to the real hospital where they thought they were treating him for burns because he was still in his prosthetic suit from the movie. He had broken his jaw in a motorcycle accident years earlier, and it was very susceptible to being knocked out of place. So that sounds painful. In the comics, Blade is, an, is English and not American, 
And Frost is older in the comics and has a German accent and was uh, born in 1868. Blade was also older and was born in 1929. The vampire girl that... Fights Blade is Ebony Adams, and she's actually a national martial arts competitor. Uh, that was fun. I, I wish she had had a bigger part because she was pretty cool. Blade's real name in the series is Eric Roberts. And the Java the Hutt type character is named Pearl. His obese size is due to um, his love of infant and children's hearts, and Pearl was so large that the set had to be built around him. They used 700 pounds of latex skin that they moved with a forklift, and the creature was controlled by four puppeteers. They had hoses that pumped cold air into its body. And I gotta confess, I didn't even remember that character at all from the original Blade. So uh, when I rewatched it, that was fun to see that. Skeet Aldrich lobbied hard for the role of Deacon Frost, and Mark Wahlberg was also considered. Tracy Lords, uh, the porn star turned actress, plays Raquel at the beginning of the movie. And she's the woman that leads the man into the blood club. Um, so blink and you'll miss her. But that's where she was. The original ending had Frost becoming La Magra. Um, and he was no longer in vampire form, but instead was like a tidal wave or something. He at least the blood tide that would turn the whole city into vampires. And that uh, obviously didn't happen. Uh, in an earlier cut of the movie, Blade kills Whistler. And in another version, at the ending, Whistler is the vampire that's seen in the last scene in Moscow. The first cut of the film was reviewed so poorly by test audiences that they took over a year to re-edit it and added the final fight scene between Blade and Frost. The body count in the movie is 88. And the last line of Blade, which is some motherfuckers always trying to skate uphill. No, sorry. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill, is a strange one. And it's actually from Wesley Snipes when they were brainstorming and talking about uh, how to describe Frost. So the director and the writer liked it so much that they kept it in there, and it's been... Now, uh, the most quoted phrase of the series. Blade 2 Trivia. Norrington turned down the option to direct, saying he wanted to move on to other projects. 30 members of the cast and crew were temporarily blinded by the misuse of the UV lights during the vampire autopsy scene. Wesley Snipes says this is his favorite of the series. And you can definitely tell Guillermo del Toro's influence here. We see similar creatures in movies and series that he's later done, including Hellboy, The Strain, which we'll talk about again in a second, and The Shape of Water. The idea of a stinger coming out of the mouth is based on Polish folktales, where the vamps have a finger that sucks blood instead of via their teeth. And as I said before, um... Del Toro also uses this in the TV series The Strain. The vampires are called Strigoi there, and many, also many of the movements that they have there are very similar to what we see in Blade II. Uh, I think it's a great effect with the stinger. I think that really adds. 
Uh, Reinhardt was originally scripted to be a Nazi who only spoke in German. To get the film an R rating, Green Blood was used by, for the Reapers. And we've seen that trick a number of times in other movies, including From Dust Till Dawn. Um, who else? Um, Evil Dead, things like that. So I think that's a common trick these days. The Blood Pack character... Verlaine was originally scripted to be the twin sister of Raquel, who we mentioned a second ago, Tracy Lord's character from the first movie. Tim Curry was considered for the character of Eli. I, I would have definitely liked to have seen him do that. That would have been very interesting. Ozia Argento, Christiana Loken, and Ellen Anne O'Anne. Ron Demetra were all considered for the role of Nisa. So they would bring some different interpretations. The original script had a sex scene between Blade and Nisa. And this movie featured Carol Roden and Luke Goss, who played the main villains in Hellboy, which also starred, of course, Ron Perlman, and, as I've said before, was directed by Del Toro. So he uses many of the same actors over and over again in his series like Ryan Murphy does. Michael Jackson was supposed to play a vampire pimp at the House of Pain, but had scheduling conflicts. The scene was ultimately cut from the movie. And this is the only movie in the trilogy that uses the originally written ending. And it is in the only film where Blade does not engage in a sword fight with the villain or conclude with one. And now before we do the trivia for Blade 3, I want to play another song. This is from Blade Trinity, and this is Fatal by RZA. Ready to die. I was born ready, motherfucker. Claim my 
atmosphere on Blade Trinity was a difficult one. Snipes hated Goyer and refused to work with him. He stayed in his trailer all day and only communicated with him via post-it notes, which he signed Blade, which are pretty funny. Patton Oswald, who was in uh, Blade Trinity, has some um, interesting stories, and he says that Wesley Snipes was having some sort of breakdown, and he refused to talk to cast or crew either. I had read um, elsewhere that Snipes said Goyer was racist and Snipes had lobbied for a more inclusive cast and crew, but Goyer shot him down each time. Uh, Goyer used Esperanto as the language used about town. Um, I've tried to learn Esperanto. I know a few words. So that's uh, something interesting to look up if uh, you're interested in languages. Uh, Hannibal is also watching the William Shatner Esperanto language film Incubus when he's recuperating. Jessica Beals accidentally destroyed a $300,000 camera by shooting an arrow into it. She was actually just supposed to face the camera with the uh, bow. One TV trailer accidentally aired crediting Jessica Beale as Jessica Alba. And this is the first time the Marvel logo appears at the beginning of a movie. Ryan Reynolds gained 25 pounds of muscle for his role as Hannibal King. And Dominic Purcell did his own stunts, including the sword fight with Blade. Uh, Paul Levesque, sorry, may not have said his last name right, a.k.a. Pro Wrestler Triple H, Impressed the producer so much that they gave him extra lines in the movie. And when Hannibal tells Blade about Dracula, he has a copy of Tomb of Dracula, which was the first appearance of Blade in the comics. The kill count in this movie is 42, which is the lowest of the series. This is the only film in the series to have a post credit scene, like most Marvel movies do. Colin Farrell was offered the role of Hannibal at one point. 
And there is a famous scene in here where Wesley Snipes is laying down with his eyes closed and apparently refused to open his eyes, and so they had to CGI them in. Snipes filed a lawsuit against New Line Cinemas, David Goyer, and Toby uh, Ermerich for $5 million. He claimed that he wanted that he was owed feeds from Blade and that he was harassed and defamed because of his race. It was resolved for an undisclosed amount. And there is an alternate ending where Abigail and Hannibal fight a werewolf-slash-vamp hybrid in a casino. This was supposed to set up a Night Stalker spin-off uh, film or series that obviously never happened. So that's interesting. Okay, Blade the TV series, not as much trivia, but here's a few things. It was originally on Spike TV, as I said, and it was its first uh, original scripted show. Wesley Snipes was offered the role, but he turned it down. And Showtime was originally slated to produce the show that would have Snipes joined by Catherine Isabel, who we talked about, Ginger Snaps, Hannibal, and a few other things. Uh, also, someone playing the character of Karen Jensen would return, and Mark Singer would play Bible John from the comics. But when Snipes backed out, that deal fell through. Future developments. There have, over the years, been a number of um, articles saying that Blade was being revived in some point. There was also talk of a Blade Underworld crossover. That would have been cool, but nothing came to fruition. But at this year's San Diego Comic-Con, Marvel announced that Blade would be re um, rebooted, starring... Um, I know I never get his name right but Marisala Ali as Blade. And although some fans wanted Wesley Snipes back in the lead role, it's uncertain if he will play any role in this series. From what I've read from Wesley Snipes, it looks like he might be uh, willing to do that, so that would be interesting. Uh, the release of the movie is after Marvel's Phase 4, so we're not sure of an exact date. Some had um, speculated that would be um, maybe in 2022. It's not on the chart that they put up at Comic-Con saying with the release of the other movies such as Black Widow, etc. I do think this is a great casting choice. Uh, Ali's been in True Detective. He has two Oscars for Green Book and Moonlight. And of course you also will remember him as Cottonmouth from another Marvel series that was on Netflix, Luke Cage. Why should you watch these movies? Well, not many people realize the importance of Blade to Marvel. Marvel declared bankruptcy in 1996, and it licensed out its characters such as X-Men to 20th Century Fox and Spider-Man to Sony in order to make cash. And Inner New Line, Cinema, and Blade. And this actually is what paved the way for the superhero genre. There's a show, a free show on Amazon called How Blade Saved Marvel and Paved the Way for the MCU. So I definitely recommend checking that out. It's pretty short, but it's good. Um, so without Blade, you probably would not have a, well, I don't know if you would have a superhero genre or not. But he was definitely the first one that proved that you could make money, a studio could make money on a lesser known superhero.
Uh, now, of course, the superhero genre basically owns the box office. Uh, it's the only thing that some people go to the movies to see these days. Also, it was the first African-American superhero, so also very important. Um, let's see. Recipe. So, I was trying to think of a recipe to come up with this week, and I ended up with the Blade Steak. So, Blade Steak is a top... Uh, blade steak comes from the chuck section of a steer or heifer and is cross-cut from the top uh, subprimal. And there is an article in recipes.co.nz, which is New Zealand, on how to cook blade steak because there's a specific way you have to cook it so it um, holds the taste. And I won't go over that, but there are a number of art, uh, recipes from Yumly, which is Y-U-M-M-L-Y, on recipes with blade steak. So I will include both of those in the show notes. But some of those are um, lemon garlic, blade steak, tender marinated mustard, beef round steak with blade steak, Portuguese blade steak, braised feather, Blade steak, marinated, grilled marinated steak, uh, miso sesame, grilled blade steak, uh, slow cook braised steak, and let's see what else is in here. Hearty Italian beef casserole, veggie beef stew, that doesn't have blade steak in it. Um... So you get the idea. So I will include those in the show notes. And where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. In conclusion, I'd just like to say I enjoy all the Blade movies, uh, still to this day after re-watching them this week. Um, i just like to see a cool guy kicking vampire ass and has some cool music uh, and great um, stunts, so I enjoy it. If I had to pick the order in which I think the films are, I would go with Blade 2 is the best, then Blade, and then Blade 3. Uh, I know there's some discussion as to whether Blade or Blade 2 is best among people, but uh, because of Guillermo del Toro's work, I definitely got to go with Blade 3 is the best. I mean, Blade 2 is the best. I don't hate Blade 3 as much as some people do. Um, it's, you know, it's not great, but uh, it's not horrible either. I've seen worse. So given all the issues they had uh, with making the film, I don't think it's that bad. Um, I'm looking forward to the reboot, as I said. I just hope that they make the film an R so that they can have as much blood and guts as possible. Uh, the TV series, in my opinion, isn't really worth a look unless you are a Blade uh, completionist. It's not horrible. It just doesn't have enough going story-wise or character-wise to keep me interested. I wasn't invested in the two leads, which are... Um, What's your name? Krista and uh, Blade. So I didn't find those characters, you know, really compelling enough to watch 
to want to watch 13 episodes of that. The sidekicks are pretty good, uh, Chase and Chin, but there just wasn't enough here to keep me coming back. So that's my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. So that's it for this week. Um, let me know if you check out Blade. See what you think. Does it still hold up even though uh, it's getting up there in years? And until next week, as Blade would say, watch out for suckheads. Bye.